Hello and welcome to Audio Gyan, an Indian podcast for those interested in design, philosophy and arts. Audio Gyan documents thoughts, ideas and insights from known and unknown gems of India who have done some remarkable work in their field of interest. Visit audiogyan.com for more gyan sessions. Today I have Roosh Bhatt with me, the co-founder of ClearTrip. Roosh Bhatt is inherently a designer and a product guy. He graduated from Lawrence University, Appleton, Wisconsin with Bachelors of Arts. After returning to India in 1998, he worked with Plexus and then founded Paperplane, which is a boutique consulting firm focused on business strategy and design in the online space. He later co-founded ClearTrip, which I guess uh, everyone knows of being one of the best OTAs and the products uh, in India which is ever produced. Uh, Roosh has more than 20 years of experience in design and e-commerce space and today we are here to talk about product design and overall things in uh, design world. So thank you Roosh for giving us your time and it's a real honor to have you on audio again. Welcome to the show. Thank you Kedar for having me. This is my uh, first podcast ever. So I'm quite excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh so I'll start off with uh the uh, a basic question which is slightly probably you could have a prescribed prescription driven answer but still uh I would like to know your thoughts. Uh what are what like to begin with what are the three most critical things uh when you start a company? So I guess uh in some ways it depends on the kind of company that you're starting and whether it's a service company or a product company is it a consumer facing company or is it a business facing company and i'll uh, try and answer this in a way that uh, applies to both those types of uh, companies mm-hmm. uh the very first thing is obviously the idea itself and the opportunity which means do you believe that you have something that your target market actually wants and is willing in some way shape or form to pay you for providing okay and within that itself there's a lot of different things uh, to consider right one what uh, let's say you were starting something that's a consumer facing product company mm-hmm. uh one of the things to consider would be uh this is all in terms of evaluating the overall opportunity mm-hmm. so one of the things to consider that would be you know how much traction can this product get okay and of course that's uh, whether how you evaluate the answer to that question is a matter of the margin that's built into your product If you have an extremely high margin product then you don't really need a lot of traction. Mm. But uh, if you have a very low margin product or a zero margin product that's actually going to be monetized in some other way then you really need to be able to scale to have a product that scales in terms of its usage really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you need to evaluate what is the traction that your product is capable of uh, achieving hmm. and the second is kind of a difficult one to gauge but it's how obvious is the utility and the usage of your product to people okay and 
there are some products that manage to break out even though they're not obvious at all uh, uh, twitter for example who would have thought that this is something people want to do mm. but once people did it they got it but there's actually i think the company still struggles to explain to people mm. why do you want twitter mm. uh, so it's not a very obvious product but the more obvious your product can be the better it is mm. uh, there is uh, the depth and the width of the market opportunity mm. for your product uh, now most products won't have the opportunity especially if they come out from a startup they won't have the opportunity to be very deep or very broad on day one correct but you still need to know that this is how deep you can go this is how broad you can go hmm. and that's a question of understanding the longer term uh, you know vision and value for the company because hmm. products that even in the long term cannot really go deep or cannot go broad are then condemned to being kind of niche products mm -hmm. whereas if you have products that are capable of depth or breadth or both then you have you know the foundation for building a much more scalable business so those are some of the things uh, in the whole evaluation of your idea and the market opportunity hmm. Sorry, to consider your, uh, the depth and the breadth is there any function of it that if it's deeper it's better or if it's wider it's better are there any things to be evaluated on those lines as well I think it's a, that's a hard question to answer in a generic way mm -hmm. uh, because if you look at a company like Amazon or any of the large uh, horizontal e-commerce players today, for instance, they've all become very broad mm. and that's a very good thing. Mm. Flipkart and Amazon both started out selling books. Now they sell pretty much everything and that's an example of getting broader. Mm -hmm. uh, but Amazon's also gotten much, much deeper. Mm. Uh, so whether that be their recipe, essentially their playbook of taking all of the infrastructure and plumbing that they built for their own internal use mm. and then turning that into a business by renting it out to other people, mm. whether that's AWS, whether that's their warehousing, whether that's their logistics. Uh, their payment capabilities, uh, this, that and the other. So, uh, the sweet spot is that you can be both. Mm -hmm. uh, the Googles, the Amazons, etc. But there's very few of those spots mm -hmm. uh, in the world. But that's kind of where a lot of uh, multi-billion dollar businesses mm -hmm. get built. Correct. correct. So, you know, the, that's the first part of evaluating, uh, you know, starting a company is the idea and the market opportunity itself. Mm -hmm. That's something that, that's the first thing you evaluate. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, the second thing is, and I've learned this, uh, I won't say the hard way, but I just now understand that choosing your co-founders mm -hmm. and evaluating whether as a founding team, uh, you will be able to stick together mm -hmm. for the long run and stay aligned mm -hmm. and want the same things out of uh, the business, out of this journey, out of uh, the you know end outcomes that you hope you'll achieve. 
it's really it's really something that I think a lot of people overlook, especially if they are much younger and don't have experience in previously starting something and seeing how some of these things play out over time. But I think uh, choosing whether you have the right co-founders, whether you need co-founders, uh, understanding all of those things is very important because in my experience, it's always uh, great to have the co-founders because there's very little of great significance that any one person can achieve by themselves unless they're an artist or a writer or one of those fields. And even those guys have teams helping them, whether they're publishers, whether they're galleries, etc. So it's very important to one, understand yourself and know what your strengths and weaknesses are and who then do you need around you to complement uh, your strengths and weaknesses. So taking a good hard look at yourself and then at your co-founders is I think very important in uh, evaluating your companies and startup prospects. And uh, I think the third one is, is a very personal evaluation. One, and it has uh, two axes according to me, it's do you, <clears throat> how personally compelling do you find the idea that you're going after? Are you a market for it yourself? Mm. And how badly do you want it for yourself? Mm -hmm. That's one, one axis. The other axis is that are you really, really ready for this roller coaster? Mm. Because you know, building a company, building a product, building all of this out is it's a really, really difficult, difficult journey. It's exhausting. There's ups and downs. And any, any entrepreneur will be able to tell you this. Once they've had more than three or four years at the coal face, they'll be able to tell you what, what a roller coaster this is. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not really ready for it, if you're not really personally invested uh, from the first aspect, which is I just really want this so badly for myself that I'm going to sit and build it, uh, you're going to give up. Mm -hmm. So... This is, I consider this the last question to ask yourself because the rest is kind of you doing homework, you doing a lot of uh, market research, you doing a lot of uh, discussions with your co-founders, etc. Um, Raising money. Not necessarily. At this point in time, you haven't yet committed. Okay. okay. Right? We are talking about evaluating, mm -hmm. uh, starting something, starting a company. Um, so you haven't committed yet, but so if you find that all of those other things are in line and they all look good and you're happy with all of them, then this is the last question you ask yourself before you take the plunge. Hmm. So uh, interesting, but uh, I would like to just slightly go back in the conversation which you were saying about uh, and ask you like what brings in that conviction? Suppose uh, everything is sorted uh, or all at least these three things are taken care of. Uh, still a founder or a co-founder has that conviction uh, in his vision, right? So what does it take to bring that conviction? How, how do you get convinced that something which you thought is going to work? So a part of this conviction is about 
courage rather than uh, conviction and courage or confidence, whichever word you prefer. But in the sense that when you're, when you're building something out, whether it's a, a product or a services business, you have to essentially have the confidence that you can actually either build something better uh, if you're building a product mm -hmm. or if you're kind of setting out to build a services business, then again, that you can deliver your services in a way that will uh, be more than just competitive, but it'll be superior. So it's a, it's a question of courage and confidence mm -hmm. in, in what it is you're doing. But that said, uh, conviction is not something that I'll say in my experience stays at a static level through your journey. Mm. Uh, it's something that uh, goes up and down mm. and things change in the market, things uh, change within your team, things change uh, around you and sometimes those changes impact you well and you feel great about them and sometimes those changes uh, impact you very adversely mm -hmm. and so it's actually more a question of being committed, being confident and being willing to take the rough with the smooth mm -hmm. because your, your conviction will not stay at the same level. Mm -hmm. It will go up and it will go down mm. and that's normal. Mm. It's not anything that's... Uh, any different for anyone anywhere in the world. Mm. So you just have to have the commitment and the courage to stay the path. Mm. But is uh, like perseverance connected to conviction? So, you know, let's say, let's look at the way Einstein put it and he said, uh, success is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Mm. Yeah. So what convinces you to put in the 99% perspiration. Yeah. It's not that the 1% which is, oh, I have such a great idea, mm. is constantly serving as your uh, booster of confidence. Okay. It's, it's one wanting to see that your idea will be brought to life. Uh, it's having the faith that if you continue to work hard, if you let your work speak for itself and you deliver the best work that you are capable of delivering, uh, that that will be something that's successful. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's more about, to me, it's more about commitment than it is about conviction. But what does it take to build that commitment also? Because uh, it... Is it the faith in the product? Is it the faith in the idea? Or uh, uh, you have done enough research in the market as to this is required? What what does it take to bring that commitment also? So that's a good question. And I think a lot of it for a lot of people that are starting something very early stage, uh, it is at the end of the day, it's a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And... Quite honestly, once you've taken the leap, hmm. 
there's usually not a very easy way back. Yeah, yeah. You're free falling now. You've yeah. taken taken the plunge. Mm-hmm. And the only way to come out in one piece mm. at the other end is to stay the path and uh, do the best that you're capable of uh, doing. If you waver, if you think, okay, no, now I don't want to do this anymore, you're in for you're going to be in for a very rough landing, mm-hmm. as opposed to. You know, it's it's like that that moment where you've uh, you swum to the halfway point mm. in uh, when you're swimming across a river. Mm. You can go back or you can go forward, but it's the same amount of effort. Yeah. So you just stay the path. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Uh, yeah, obviously these two things were slightly towards uh, uh, building a company and understanding what goes into it. Uh, the next thing which I want to ask you is, uh, uh, you have been a designer for a very long time. So, what's the importance of a design culture in a company? Like, uh, how does uh, a culture which is uh, inclined towards design, which is the case, which was the case in Clear Trip, uh, like, what's the importance? Like, how does design help uh, in in the company? Uh, having a design culture help the company. So I think the answer to that depends on the manner in which the company defines design. Mm -hmm. So is the definition of design problem solving? Mm -hmm. Is the definition of uh, design having a great product that just works and works, functions better than uh, any other product that it competes with? Is the definition of design uh, having things that look good mm-hmm. aesthetically look good. aesthetically look good yeah so let's let's look at these three things because design is a very overused word and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people yeah yeah but if we look at these three broad things which is uh, problem solving uh, functional and aesthetic uh, let's say these are three broad ways in which people define design so if you define design as problem solving and your company does exist in order to solve problems for its customers or its users, mm-hmm. then having a culture that is attuned to design is critical. Mm-hmm. It, it's not something anyone can do without because then what, what is your company doing mm-hmm. if it's not solving problems? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you design, if you define design as having great functional uh, capabilities in your product that like kick the crap out of the competition then again it's critical because if your product can't compete in the market against everything that it competes with um, then again what is your company doing so i think in both those two definitions of design i think having a culture of design thinking and appreciation for design is critical mm-hmm. to a company's success. If your, your company defines design as things that look good, mm-hmm. then unless you're in fashion or in the business of selling things that look good, yeah. and there's a lot of companies that do that, whether they're 
companies that make furniture or home uh, objects or automobiles or whatever uh, there's a there's a lot of companies that do that but if you're outside of those companies and all you all you define design as is looking good mm. then i i don't really know if you're a ola cabs and your definition of design is that it has to look good mm. then design is probably not particularly relevant mm. in your culture yeah. in case of google maps maybe the the function is more important uh, than the aesthetics of it but still there is design uh, angle to it right absolutely i mean look at google maps i think google maps was a uh, uh, information design problem from day one yeah uh, the implementation of their solutions and the evolution of those things over the last uh, 10 uh, or 12 years has been uh, it's been quite amazing to watch but other than that it was a it was a approach it said we want to solve this problem mm-hmm. of uh, taking what had you know here before that been basically a dead wood based product mm-hmm. and turning it into a completely digital product and turning it into one that solved the problem in ways that companies that had a decade of experience in the field before google entered such as uh, mapquest or uh, any of those garmin or tomtom or any of these earlier entrants into that field hadn't solved it in the way that google solved it mm-hmm. whether it was the first version of google maps which was one of the very first ajax based products uh, to hit the market um so the user experience of google maps solved the problem that users expect a map to solve for them mm-hmm. in such a dramatically more functional and more elegant way yeah. than anything else yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah i mean uh, the next thing which i want to ask you is uh, like how do you take these product decisions because if it's a design driven culture then uh, like what what does it take to uh, get, like take some product decisions like i mean there are are there any parameters to take certain decisions uh, based on the strength of design culture you have in your company so again let me, let me now just treat like the definition of design as a uh, my definition of design which is that you're here to solve problems for your users your customers yeah. whichever one uh, whichever word you want to use and now you essentially have to it's quite simple and there's no from a metric standpoint it's going to be different for everyone so rather than try to answer it with a bunch of different metrics which yeah. won't apply to a lot of people yeah. let me just answer it by saying that you have to take product decisions by constantly asking yourself what is the best thing for the user right uh, but then businesses it's a typical case where business comes in and uh, tries to uh, change the road not change the road map but take certain decisions because it's also impacting the business so how does that work so if you look at 
someone that's probably uh, on uh, every entrepreneur's uh, wall of inspiration, Jeff Bezos. His uh, long-standing view has been that what what is good for our customers is aligned with the long-term interests of the business. So if and he's one of the few uh, tech CEOs out there today that has a consistent track record of taking decisions based on a long-term horizon rather than taking decisions based on this quarter's results, this year's results, this week's numbers. Mm-hmm. And you look at Amazon's market cap today, I don't think anyone needs to debate whether his approach is the right one. Mm-hmm. At least for that one company in uh, today's day and age, it's proved to be exactly right. Yeah. And so if you're if your leadership team has the patience and the ability to think long term and to take decisions for the long term health of the company, for the long term success of the company, you'll find that you take the decisions that are best for your user. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more to talk overall uh, and I would like to hear more ideas and thoughts from you. But uh, given the time, I'll just conclude with one last question. Uh, how do you design for impact? I mean, uh, this question has slight a background, like there are certain products which are built for certain things, like for example, Snapchat is like a lifestyle product, whereas WhatsApp is more towards solving a particular problem. And uh, so in that context, like, are there any things to be understood and ventured into, which can help in, uh, bringing some impact in the society, but it is led by design. So again, to me, it goes back to the user mm-hmm. and it goes back to, actually, let me step back here for a second. And there's two ways in which you can uh, deliver impact, mm-hmm. uh, incremental or for lack of a better word, radical, mm-hmm. right? So the radical impact is when you say, I'm going to take a big risk and I'm going to do something big and I'm going to hope it has a big impact. Mm -hmm. And the incremental is to say, I'm going to make a few small tweaks here and there Mm -hmm. to seek what they call the local maximum, Mm -hmm. right? Like you've already defined your product. It's doing a reasonably good job of what it's supposed to be doing. And you want to see if you can take this little bit and make it perform that little bit better. Mm -hmm. So that's continual iteration, continual testing, and that's delivering impact in small measures. Mm -hmm. But it's probably lower risk, it's probably more predictable. uh, So that's one way of delivering impact Mm -hmm. through uh, design. And the other way is to do something big. Uh, that's riskier, that's going to be more expensive for your organization because it's going to involve investing more resources and time into uh, doing whatever it is you think uh, is going to deliver this big impact. Mm. Uh, But it goes back, at the end of the day, the bigger impact items, the riskier items, the non-incremental impact Mm. goes back to thinking about your user. 
and saying what are her biggest problems what are we doing about those problems because if you're not doing something about those problems when that's what your company is supposed to be doing for your user then what is your company doing so it goes back to your user understanding what her problems are what are the biggest ones and how can we solve those problems and that's how you deliver big impact by solving the big problems uh, by having the courage to say i'm going to move out of my comfort zone i'm going to move away from trying to find the local maximum and i'm going to go try and find the global maximum by solving this big ass problem that no one else seems to want to solve because it just looks too difficult uh yeah seriously it takes lot of courage to actually that covers the first question again because it needs a lot of courage to do something like that yeah yeah so i think uh, yeah this is a good note to end this uh uh thanks a lot rush for giving your time uh it was great talking to you and uh, thank you once again thank you kedar for having me it was uh, it was lovely chatting with you yeah so that's it from today's gan session stay tuned for more gan on audio gan next week till then bye <laughs>